Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Omar. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. And here's a key part. Jonah knew that salvation belongs to who? To who? To the Lord our God. That is the word of the Lord. You can go ahead and take a seat, everybody. You know, as I've, as I've told you before, um, after my mom moved to Miami from Puerto Rico in 1991, my dad decided to move back to his home country of Cyprus. Now, Cyprus, if you don't know, it's a little small island in the middle of, of the Mediterranean, and it's absolutely beautiful. And so from that point on, every year I would go visit my dad in Cyprus. In fact, I have a picture of my dad right there. Yep, that's my dad. That's actually in London. And uh, man, I love my dad and he loves me. By the grace of God, we've had a really great relationship through all these years. And so every single time that I would go visit him, for the most part, we would just hang out at his home or go to the beach, just drive around. But one year, we decided to do something that we had never done before. And that was to take a Mediterranean cruise. Oh yeah, and it was, folks, it was amazing, amazing, amazing. And one of the stops of that cruise was actually in the beautiful place of Sicily. So the, when, the, when the ship docked and we got off, we began to just walk around. And mind you, my dad is not a believer. In fact, he's of Muslim descent. He's not a practicing Muslim, but he does believe that there's a God that exists out there. So I thought this will be the perfect opportunity as we walk just to share with him more about the Lord. Sure enough, so we start walking, I start talking, and as usual, he's pretty, he's not really open to the gospel, but there was a, mo a point in the conversation that I would never forget. And I guess he wanted to figure out how committed I was to Christ, how committed I was to the message of the gospel, and so he set up a scenario for me, and this is a scenario. He said, Omar, if someone would come right now to this crosswalk, we were, we were at a crosswalk, if someone would come right now and point a gun to your head, would you still say that you believed in Christ? And the moment that he said that, I said, absolutely. I would always say that I believe in Christ. I will never deny my Lord. I will never deny my Savior. And folks, the moment that I said that I would still believe, my dad began to laugh. And he wasn't laughing in order to make fun of me, you know, that he loves me, that's not who he is. But I think he just started laughing and chuckling at the fact that his son would be so committed to Christ, that he would be so committed to this message. And so right after that, I kind of changed the conversation, and we just kept moving and walking around. And we had a great trip, a great rest of a trip. But, but folks, that was a moment in my life that if I could be honest, had an impact on me. See, because the moment that my dad laughed, I lost hope that he could ever 
come to know Christ as Savior. They, they would ever have a relationship with Christ. And it impacted and affected me in every aspect. It impacted the way from that point on how intentional I was with him. It affected the way that I would share the gospel with him. And it even affected the way that I would pray to my God that he would one day come to know Christ. That's how much hope I lost that my dad could ever come to know Christ. Now, church family, let me just bring that story over to our teaching for today because what a picture of what many of us may have had experienced. And by that, I mean that just like I lost hope for a season, that my father could ever come to know Christ, that my dad could ever have a relationship with the Lord. Folks, just like that, many of us here today at one of our campuses online, many of us may be in the exact same situation, that we have lost hope that someone in our life that we care about, that someone in our life that we dearly love could ever truly come to know Christ. And maybe in your life, maybe it's a family member, Maybe it's a friend of yours. Maybe it's your best friend. Maybe it's a classmate. Maybe it's a coworker. And maybe you have lost hope as well. That someone that you love may never come to know Christ. But here's the good news. Here's, and here's the big idea for today, all right? Our amazing God wants every single one of us to regain hope that yes, in fact, the people that we love, the people in the city of the city of Miami can in fact come to know Christ as Savior. He wants us to regain that hope, amen? amen. And so you may be sitting there, you may be thinking, Pastor, listen, I'm tracking with you. I've experienced that in my life. There's people in my life that I, I just really doubted they would ever come to know Christ. So I wanna have hope. So how can I regain that hope? How can I get to the point that I strongly believe that they could be saved? But we're going to find out from Jonah chapter 2, all right? So if you have your Bibles, take your, go ahead and turn to Jonah chapter 2. You can follow along in our listening guides as well as in our app. And with that in mind, as in church family, I have three thoughts for us today about how we could regain hope that those who God is calling us to could be saved. So write this down as point number one. We all need to start off with a prayer of confession, with a prayer of confession. Now today, we're, like I said before, we're gonna be looking at the prayer of Jonah in chapter two, but before we dive in into that prayer, let me just remind us where we are at in the study in the book of Jonah, what took place in chapter one so we can all be on the same page. As we, as we saw last week, Jonah was actually one of the main prophets of the nation of Israel. And God had done some amazing things through Jonah. However, there was a critical moment where God called them to leave Israel, to leave his, his comfort zone, and to go reach a city that didn't know God and share God's truth with them. And so listen to what takes place the moment that God approaches Jonah with this mission. Listen to what happens. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise and go to where? To Nineveh, just like Miami, that great city, 
and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to what? To flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa, a, a port city, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now pause right there for a moment. Because when Jonah was called to Nineveh, he not only refused to go to Nineveh, he actually ran the other way. He ran away from the call of God. And the reason he ran away from God's call is because just like Miami, Nineveh has a lot of things that were not easy to love, right? They were a city, in fact, that they were hated. They were ruthless, cruel people. And among the nations of that, of that, of that day, listen, they were people who, truth be known, listen, they were just unlovable. They were unlovable. So Jonah jumps on the ship and he, he heads to Tarshish, which is in modern-day Spain, in the opposite side of the world. And as he is on the ship heading through the Mediterranean, heading to Spain, a huge, that, that ship encounters a huge storm, and almost like a supernatural storm. And it was almost like God was saying, listen, this assignment, Jonah, is just too important, and I'm not going to let you just run away from it. And so as the story unfolds, the sailors realize that the reason they encountered this storm was because Jonah was being disobedient to God, and then Jonah later confesses that the only way to stop the storm is what? Is to throw him overboard. And that's exactly what they did. They tossed poor Jonah overboard. And so the moment that he hits those dark Mediterranean water, waters, right? Listen to what happens because this is actually the, the one thing that this book is very famous for, right? So listen to what happens. It says, and the Lord appointed a what? A great fish to what? To swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now pause right there. Let's just talk about that for a moment. Because to say the least, this must have been awful, right? I mean, the temperature there must have been between 108 and 115 degrees. He probably couldn't move himself, his limbs. He was just stuck in a position for all that time. And he had gastric juices all over him. Eek, right? Terrible. Now, now the, skeptic out, the skeptic's out there, and I know you're out there somewhere. You're probably saying, no way did this happen. This is just a story. This just had this, this, there's no way naturally Jonah could have survived in the belly of this great fish. You're saying, that's you? I would 100% agree with you because this is actually a miracle of God, a miracle of God. Now, if you can believe the miracle of the human birthing process, then I'm sure you can believe in this because if God could sustain a human life for nine months in the belly of a woman, then surely you can believe that God could sustain Jonah three little Miss little days in the belly of the, the great fish. Amen? Amen? We can believe that because we have a great God that can do that. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, we can clap for that. Amen. Yes. And so listen to what happens next. It says, then Jonah, what? Prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. 
So after three long days and three long nights, Jonah decides is to find himself in a moment of distress, of hopelessness, and he begins to pray. Now to me, as I was reading, this kind of shows a little bit of how hard-headed Jonah was. Because if it was me, the moment those sailors would have grabbed to, to throw me overboard, I would have been crying out to God, right? Lord, save me. Save me, God. But Jonah waited three days and three nights to then what? To then pray to the Lord. And so from the belly of the fish, this was interesting. From the belly of the fish, Jonah's going to teach you and he's going to teach me how to pray when we disobey God and we run away from God's call. So we need to start off with a prayer of confession, specifically letter A, to confess our, lie, our lack of hope, our lack of hope. In fact, listen to what Jonah prays, says when he starts praying. He says this. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my what? Out of my distress, out of my hopelessness. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, which is the grave. And I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and all your waves and all your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Now this is the moment where Jonah was convicted of not being obedient to God's call, and he's in a place of distress and ultimately of hopelessness. And family, what an image of many of us, because during this past week, since last week in sermon and throughout this week, many of us have been realizing that we have been disobedient, running away from God's call of what he's asking us to do with those around us that do, know, that do not know Christ. And perhaps even we've come to a point of really of feeling hopeless that God could ever save those people that we love. And listen, your hopelessness has gone to a point that has led you to say statements like this. Oh, pastor, listen, you don't know my mom. Listen, she is just so stubborn. She will never, never come to know Christ. I know my mom. Or listen, I know my, my friend. Listen, they're so set in their ways. They think they got it all figured out. They're so set in their way, they'll never come to confess Christ. Or my dad, listen, oh, you don't know my dad. He's just so far from God, so far from God. Or perhaps, you know someone, maybe a, a, an old friend of yours from school or from, from an old work, classmate or whatnot, and you think, man, they, they will never change. It doesn't matter what I share with them, they will never change their ways. I've known their, 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 their life for a long time. And so if you have either uttered that verbally or if you have even thought that, let me tell you, if you ever thought that about anybody in your life, that's a direct reflection that you have lost hope that the people that you love could ever come to know Christ. And so the first step for us is that we need to come before God in prayer confessing our sin of losing hope, but also take Write this down as letter B. We need to confess our lack of action in the past. You, you know, we need to confess that day after day that we have not taken the steps that God has asked us to take. So for example, 
Day after day, you go to where you work or to school, wherever you find yourself. And with your coworkers, they sit right next to you, or your classmates, they sit right next to you. And there has never been a point in your, in your life with them that you have brought God into the conversation. In fact, they don't even know your coworkers and your classmates, they don't even know that you're a believer. So you've never taken that step. Or maybe that family member that when they hear you coming to Christ Fellowship and coming to church, they think all you do is just rituals and traditions and what they think, but you've never taken the time to sit down with them and help them understand that, that having a relationship with Christ is not about rituals or traditions. It's simply when you come in faith and you put your trust in what he did for you at the cross. Or maybe day after day you go to the same coffee shop, you go to the same restaurant for lunch, whatever the case may be, and you even know those people by first name, but you've never taken the, the hard step of saying, hey, let me invite you to church. Do you go to church anywhere? Hey, come to my church, check it out. And so we need to come to a point really that we start confessing the fact that we have not taken the actions that God has, let, has asked us to. But folks, there's a second thing that Jonah teaches us to do. Not only to confess, a prayer of confession, but write this down as big number two. It's to pray a prayer of acknowledgement, of acknowledgement. Now you may be wondering, Pastor, what do you mean a prayer of acknowledgement? What, what, what do you mean by that? Well, write this down as letter A. That salvation is of God and not of man. Now, folks, we're going to look at the rest of the prayer of, of Jonah, but we're going to focus on in the last couple statements because I really believe they're so critical for us in how we reach the city for Christ. Listen to what it says. Listen to what Jonah's prayer. So Jonah keeps praying, and he says, The waters closed in over me to take my life. And the deep surround me, weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. You can imagine, right? He's among in the belly of that fish. And he says, I went down to the land whose bars closed up upon me forever. Yet you brought me up, that you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. To those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. And folks, listen carefully now. Because salvation belongs to who? To who? Come on. To the Lord Almighty. Now folks, this is the point that God wanted to take Jonah. And it was in the depth of the ocean where Jonah finally acknowledges that salvation belongs not to Jonah, not to his decisions, that salvation does not belong to the city of Nineveh, but that salvation ultimately belongs to God. And family, listen, that's exactly the critical point that God wants to bring us Christ fellowship. So that if we're going to reach the city for Christ, we need to realize that salvation belongs to who? 
to, to the Lord alone, which means that if salvation is in fact of God, it naturally means, write this down as letter B, that salvation is a work of God. Salvation is a work of God. Now, this concept, listen up really carefully now. This concept is critical for us to understand if we are going to reach Miami for Christ with the right mentality. Because we need to understand that salvation has always been, it is today, and will always be a work of the living God. In fact, there's a passage in the book of Acts that shows what Jonah is acknowledging here to the Lord, how totally sovereign God is in the salvation of man. In fact, when the apostle Paul was going, was going through his missionary journey, he reached a city called Philippi. And when he got to the city called Philippi, he began just to share God's truth just like he was asked to do. But in the crowd, there was a lady named Lydia that was hearing the word of God. And so listen to what happens when she hears that word of God. Now in the crowd, there was one who heard us, who was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, and she was a seller of purple goods. But this is the key. And the Lord what? And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. My family, what a simple yet profound verse. Because notice, it was God and not Lydia who opened the heart of Lydia to receive the message of the gospel. See, Christ Fellowship, even though there is an aspect of human accountability, that God is going to hold every single human being accountable for either rejecting him, right, or accepting him, what we see in Scripture is that overarching man's decision is an element of God's sovereignty, of God's power, of his dominion, of his ability to to interfere and to, and to intersect our sinful emotions, right? And folks, this powerful truth that God is ultimately sovereign over all things is actually the truth that leads you and leads me to pray for the salvation of those we love. That very truth is what leads you and me to pray to God. In fact, let me show you what I mean by that. When we approach God, right, in prayer, when we envision God when it comes to the salvation of, of our people who we love, the people of the city, there's three general ways of viewing God and his involvement, okay? And there's, these are three ways. The first way is this. The first way is that even, though, that, that, that even though Christ did all he had to do with the cross, he died, he paid for our sins, that after he resurrected, that God completely takes himself out of the picture and is solely man's decision, okay? God is nowhere to be found, but it's simply man's choice and he chooses to do whatever he wants. God is not involved, that's one view. The other view is this, 
is that God is, that God, that man is nowhere to be found. There's no human element of choice or element of, of step of obedience. And God is fully sovereign. And that he is sovereign, that he does what he wants, and there's no part that man has to play in it, right? So that portion is that God's sovereign and man is completely absent from the process of trust and salvation, of salvation. But here's the thing. If you, if you believe in either of these two views, let me give you a newsflash. You don't pray. You don't pray for the people that you love to come to know Christ. I'm going to show you why. Because if, if you truly believe that God has nothing to do with the salvation of, of man and then coming to know him, then guess what? Why would you pray? You simply just, you, you should spend most of your time not praying, but just trying to convince people to come to know Christ, right? Because God is not involved. So there's no point in praying if God's nowhere involved. If you believe this, that man has nothing part of it, there's nothing involved, then why bother praying? Because God's made his choice and there's nothing about it. And there's nothing about man. There's nothing about faith. So who cares anymore? So you don't pray either. But here's a second view. What we see in Scripture is that even though man has the ability to believe, right, that God could either, that man could either accept or reject Christ, what we see in Scripture is that overarching all of man's decision, all the affairs of man, it's God's sovereignty. Amen? We, you know, we can't fully explain how this relationship between the sovereignty of God and man's choice, we cannot fully explain it because our minds ultimately are finite and we cannot really truly understand. But here's what we do know. Even in the midst of trying to figure that out, we do know that God's sovereignty is all over it. Amen? And family, listen, this truth, the fact that you acknowledge that God has a part in it, leads, should lead us to pray for the people in this city that we love. Amen? Listen, the fact that God could intervene should lead us to our knees to pray for the people that we love. Because church family, listen, if God could open up the heart of Lydia to pay attention to the message of the gospel, then surely he can open the heart of my father to receive the message of the gospel. And if, my, and if, God, and if Lydia, if God could open the heart of, God, of, of Lydia and if God could open the hearts of my father, then he can open the heart and the eyes of the people in your life. That mom, that dad, your brother, your sister, your siblings, your cousins, he could intervene. He can help them open up their eyes and to see the beauty of Christ. Your coworkers, your old friends that they seem so far away from God. Listen, God could intervene and he can help them see just like Lydia of the beauty and the truth of the gospel. Family, do you believe that? God is a powerful God that he could intervene. And family, listen, this should lead us not to pray, not doubting prayers, but it should lead us to pray confident prayers that we have a God who's all loving and almighty, amen? And so when we pray, we pray confident prayers knowing these two things, write this down as one and two that he is the author of our faith and that he is the finisher of our faith. 
See, this is why God's word in the book of Hebrews always tells us to look to Jesus, who is the what? The author and the finisher of, the, of our faith. See, here's what's amazing. Not only could God intervene and open up the hearts, right, and give us the ability to believe, but folks, we also see that once the people in your life come to know Christ and they, and they start walking with him, he has the ability to sustain their faith till the end. In fact, listen to what he says when, when the Apostle Paul, when he writes to that same church in Philippi that Lydia was, listen to what he says, and maybe he's even thinking of Lydia. Listen to what he says. He says, I am sure of this, that he who what? Began a good work in you will bring it what? To completion at the day of Christ Jesus, right? You see, the Apostle Paul had this confidence that not only was God mighty to save, but he was also the one who could sustain our faith, even through the hardest times, our faith in him. And family, this is the rock solid truth that we have, that even though things may look dire at times, that God is still good, that God is still sovereign, and he has the ability to save the those we love, amen? And family, that should lead you and me in our daily life to always share the truth of the gospel calmly and confidently. The last thing we need is for you to feel like you're trying to convince someone and get into armies and back and forth. Listen, no, no, no. What you're called to do and what I'm called to do, because God is in control, is to be obedient to what he's asking you to do. You know, just recently, you know, I've shared with you, my, my, grandma passed, my grandmother passed away, and so my, my aunt came down from Chicago with uh, my three little cousins. Um, they would just spend a week with us just after, after you know, grieving and the whole time. So one time... Before they left, I decided to take my oldest niece, my oldest cousin, whose name was, whose name is Antonia. So I took her to Starbucks just to catch up with her. She's in high school now, so we went there. So, you know, we got in my mom's golf cart, and we drove to Starbucks, and we were just catching up. She's telling me about, she's playing guitar now, she has a new boyfriend, and what's going on in her life. And after we, we got Starbucks, we got back in the golf cart, and we were heading back to my mom's house. And I knew there was a moment that God had prompted me to, again, share the gospel with her. And so as we drove, listen, I just started sharing how much God loved her, how God had a plan for her life, how her sin separated her from God, but, but God in his love gave his son to die on the cross for her. And that the way for her to start a relationship with the Lord is what? It's just simply putting her faith in him. And can I tell you, it was a really good conversation. She listened to it, and she kind of was processing it. But as I was sharing, listen, I was just sharing, sharing calmly and just confidently, really resting in, in God. Amen? And family, that's the way we need to move forward, just sharing the gospel as often as we can, inviting people to church whenever we can, but knowing that God is ultimately in control. And so when we approach God, going back to Jonah's prayer, we should not only, not, not only acknowledge to God, yes, that he is mighty to say that salvation belongs to the Lord, but we also see that Jonah also prayed, write this, bit, write this down as big number three, a prayer of commitment, of commitment. Now let's go back to, the, to Jonah's prayer. 
He says, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. And notice what I have, what? Vowed, I will pay. Notice before Jonah answers prayer, he comes to a moment where he commits to God to do exactly what he's asked him to do. To go to that city that was far from God and share God's truth with them. And family, listen, that has to be our prayer as well, amen? Listen, when we pray to God, it is not enough that we confess that we've lost hope. It is not enough that we confess, that, that we acknowledge that God has the power to save, but we also need to come before God and commit to him that we will do exactly what he's asking us to do. And first, we need to commit, write this down as letter A, is to pray. We need to commit to pray. See, as I studied God's word, and I truly understood that God had the, the power and the ability to save my dad, guess what? The moment I really understood that, I, came, I went back to prayer because I knew that God could work in my dad's heart. Doesn't matter how far away from him I think my dad is, I still pray. And church family, you have to do the same thing for the people in your life. You have to come to a point, listen, that if we are going to reach the city of Miami and those people in your life that you love, listen, we need to pray to God, commit to pray. And we need to pray that God would work among the churches and the people of Miami, regardless the denomination, regardless who they are. If they are a church that, that, that believes in the gospel, we need to pray that God be working among the people and the churches of Miami to reach the city for Christ, amen? So we have to be praying that God would be at work. And so listen, be sure that you're also praying in your small groups. You know, this weekend is Group Connect second week, so if you have not joined a small group, make sure that you join a small group. It's not too late. But can I tell you, listen, I am so proud of all of you. You know, last week I gave a charge for all of our 464 small groups to go out into the community and to meet in public places, and it has been amazing. In fact, we have some pictures right there, should be coming up. Yeah, they, you all went out, you wore your t-shirts, you did the Bible studies, and you invited people around you folks. We've, had amaz we've heard amazing stories from those interactions that you've had. And so, listen, I am so just thankful and proud of you. I would encourage you, listen, we got three more weeks to meet out in the community. Be faithful to that. Wear your T-shirts every week. Have your invite cards. Invite people because you don't know what God is going to do among all that. But here's what I, will, I would say. Because God is so powerful. He's mighty to save. Here's what I would do. We need to pray. And so in your small groups, at some portion of your small group, when you're meeting out and about, pray for the lost around you. Even if you don't know who they are, just pray. So, and pray that God will start softening the heart so when you have those conversations, when you invite them to church or whatever the case may be, that God would already start working in their hearts, right, to be open to what you're going to share with them. So be sure you're praying. Now, if you are one that says, Pastor, listen, I need to, I'm just not, I have, I don't, I'm not very disciplined in really praying every single day, and I need a little help, but we have the most amazing things taking place this taking place this week. Every single weekday, Monday through Friday, starting Monday, our pastors are gonna go live on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram at 12 p.m., right at your lunch break. 
And every single weekday, every single day, they're going to share a quick, brief word with you of an encouragement. And then we're going to take time in the middle of the day to pray for those we love. One day is going to be for your family. One day is going to be for your uh, coworkers, for your friends, for your neighbors, and even for the people in this city. And so listen, wherever you find yourself, take a few moments just to log on on social media you know, and, and connect. And how amazing is it going to be for all of us all throughout Miami, right, to be praying for the people that we love at the very exact time. Isn't that going to be cool? Yeah? So make sure you log on. It's going to be really awesome. But folks, listen, we also need to commit to action. We need to pay a prayer of commitment to action, right, as letter B. You know, just like Jonah committed to do what God vowed, listen, folks, in the same way, we need to come before God and we need to commit to act. You know, whenever God prompts us to, have that com- to bring God into a conversation, we need to do it. We need to vow that whenever we have the opportunity, we invite someone to church. We need to commit and vow to the Lord that whenever we have the ability to have that gospel conversation, what? That we're going to have that conversation. So, folks, we got to commit to action. And family, my own life, I, I, you know, after I, I walked back, after I, after I came back from that trip and I kind of regained hope that my dad could in fact be saved, I knew that I needed to take action. So here's what I did. I bought a Turkish Bible before I went to go see my dad again the next year. I bought a little Turkish Bible. And I went through it and I underlined and I highlighted all the key verses that he could just read and come to know Christ himself. And I highlighted all the key verses. I put little bookmarks. I put that in it. And I put that in my backpack. And I kept it the entire time. And after I went to see him the next year, on my way back, I remember we were at Heathrow Airport. And I was about to board that plane coming back to Miami. And I pulled my dad aside and I, said, and I sat him down. I took this little Turkish Bible. And said, Dad, listen, this right here is what could lead you to have a relationship with God. This is the most important thing in my life is the Word of God. It will lead you to God. And so I was sharing with him. I began to cry. And my dad began to cry. You know, I'm crying because my heart's breaking for my dad. And my dad is crying because he's seeing his son heartbreak for him, even, even though he didn't really understand. But I knew how to take action. And even though I couldn't be there all the time with him, I needed to be sure that in his hand he had God's word. So I had to take that step. And so I don't know what that looks like in your life, what action looks like, but be sure that you'll be obedient to to take that action. Amen? And so here's how we're going to end today. To be more of a time of reflection. But if you look at your handout, notice that there's one blank that's still left. And it's a prayer of commitment not to lose hope for blank. You see that? In your handout. Listen, that is a place where right now, at all campuses, I want us to think, whoever at the beginning of my teaching that you thought, man, yeah, I think I've lost hope that that person could come to know Christ, whoever that person was, I I would like for you to write their name right in that blank. Maybe it's a couple people. Maybe it's uh, several people. Write them in there as well. But I want you to write that. I want you to just physically say, you know what? This is the person that I know I need to commit not to lose hope for. And so, and so since we study the prayer of Jonah, how fitting would it be 
if we just ended by praying the same prayer that Petuna did, a prayer of confession, a prayer of acknowledgement, and a prayer of commitment. Amen? And so here's what we're going to do. At all campuses right now, you know exactly who that person that you wrote it down. You know that person that you've been struggling with, losing hope. We're going to take time and we're going to pray for those people right now. So at all campuses right now, go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. It's going to be a very special moment. It won't take long, but it's going to be a very special moment for you to come before God. And so as you close your eyes, listen, pray this quietly to yourself. Just talk to the Lord. And first of all, come before God and just, and just tell God, confess to Him that at times you've lost hope and you have not taken action. So take some time quietly right now at all campuses and just pray and I'll just finish up in, in a moment. before you and we acknowledge Lord we confess that at times Lord we have lost faith we have lost hope that you could save them Lord and because of it, we haven't taken the proper actions so Lord we, your children come to you and we confess Lord of our sin in this area of the fact that we have not been obedient and I'll take some moments at all campus right now and just pray and acknowledge to God that whoever that person is that you wrote down, that God is mighty to save, that God could, in fact, save them. So right now, pray a prayer of acknowledgement to the Lord and ask Him to save them. Father, we come before you, and Father, we acknowledge before your holy throne Lord that you have the power to save you are able Father we acknowledge that and we put our trust in you as so, the Lord we come before you and we ask you for those people in our life in our city that are lost that don't have a relationship with you Father we pray that just like you worked in Lydia's heart Lord that you would work in their heart Father thank you and lastly family I would like you to pray now a time of commitment in your, in your prayer, just talk to the Lord. Lord, I commit to not only pray for those people, but commit that you will be obedient whenever he prompts you to in those moments. So pray. You say, Lord, give me the eyes to see and help me to be obedient in those key moments. Father, we know that just like you called Jonah to Nineveh, you're calling us to the city of Miami. And Father, as a church family right now, we come before you, your children. And Father, we commit to praying for the lost. We commit to taking action when you prompt us to. And Father, we commit to not losing hope that those who you've put in our hearts one day in fact be saved so father we thank you lord that as we move forward that we can rest in you O oh lord and we can just take steps of obedience knowing that you're in control 
Father, we love you. We surrender ourselves to you. And Father, we worship you this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for our great God? He's just so good. And all campuses, I want to well, I want to ask all the campus pastors to come up to the front now. And the concluder service, uh, Christ Fellowship, I love you all. God bless you. What a great message by Pastor Omar. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmemmy.org connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.